more bikes. Morebikes.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another Morebikes.co.uk podcast. I'm Tony Carter. Sitting alongside me, as ever, is the editor of Motorcycle Sport and Leisure, Miko Niemannen. Hello. Uh, and uh, well, this podcast is brought to you by our brilliant sponsors, which is effectively a packet of Wattsits and a bottle of Coke. <laughs> our, our long-standing sponsors. Our long-standing sponsors. They really are, aren't they? Right. So, uh, if you've not listened to this before. We don't always talk about bikes. I'm sorry. We'll end up talking about films. I've seen that new Wonder Woman film, by the way. I've not seen a film. I've got a nine-week-old baby at home. I've not seen a film for weeks. Mate. Yeah, yeah. I should, have thought, I, should have thought, I should have thought about that, really. <laughs> uh, Wonder Woman film's not bad, actually. It's, it's quite good. I'm looking forward to the Spider-Man Homecoming. But anyway, I, th- I think just any moving picture <laughs> would do it for me now. I could right. sit there and watch through a speed two and be thrilled. Oh dear God, no! Um, yeah, we'll talk about all sorts of things, predominantly about motorcycles, of course, and what's going on in our lives with uh, motorcycling, etc. Um, so this is it. This is what we basically just get on with and do um, with the magazines. Uh, I look after Motorcycle Monthly. I look after MoreBikes.co.uk, um, and Miko looks after Motorcycle Sport and Leisure, which is. 600 issue number 683 683 you just Coming put to bed in a couple of weeks yeah so the UK's longest standing motorcycle publication right so anyway all that's out of the way um, explaining who we are where we are what about 10 miles from Cadwell Park is where our office is based uh, yeah we're pretty much in motorcycling heaven in the UK um, county of Lincolnshire if you're listening to this uh, abroad um, and the roads around here it's, it's just like a natural sort of racetrack around here isn't it not that we condone speeding on so the roads no, at all no we do it but we don't condone it um, <laughs> and if you if you live around here and grow up in Lincolnshire it's just it's motorcycling manor um, part of the course really isn't it loads of bikes around yeah. here which is great yeah. um, I was going so, home the other day from work and there was um, a bike night and the amount of bikes you could see on the roads yeah, it was yeah. one of the little villages had a bike night and yeah, there were loads of bikes. Yeah, and the nice thing is when you bikes. when you come to an event in Lincolnshire, you've got all the great roads around. You've got the Wolds to ride through, which is uh, an area of outstanding natural beauty. And that Case to High Street, that's a Case to High Street, one of the great roads in the UK. Yeah. It really is, and we're not far from Cadwell Park, no. the seminal Cadwell Park, you know, with a mountain and it's a thin ribbon of tarmac. But boy, you can get some great rides out there, can't you? Really can all through the area, anyway. Right. So anyway, let's uh, let's take a look. Um, you've been up to a lot recently, Mika. Yeah, um, I've been out and about. I've been in Wales. Somehow, all roads lead to Wales for yep. me. Last couple of months, I've been there all the time. Um, first, I went there with Ducati. They did the um, DRE Ducati Riding Experience Enduro edition or like a taste today of it it yeah. wasn't quite the rolling hills of Tuscany and you know <laughs> riding through vineyards and, and stuff like that yeah, but we nothing's were, wrong with rolling hills of Wales really no 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 it was perfectly nice um, who did you go there with what was that with uh, it was it was the DRE but who was the instructors people like uh, that it was part well there were, there were the guys from Italy uh, right, were okay. flown in yep. so they had a, like a big truck and all the top guys there was um Bebe Giuliani was an ex-Dakar racer and... Um, Madder than a bucket of spiders. Yeah, a lovely bloke. Yeah, Absolutely oh yeah. A lovely bloke. Yeah. Rides like the demon. Um, and he, yeah, he was there and his um, Matteo, I think his top um, trainer from, from Italy, were there. 
So they, you know, they set up the course there and we did, it was like an obstacle course on bikes sort yeah. of thing. So you take this great big Ducati Multistrada 1200 Enduro and you, you throw it over logs and try and keep it in a straight line and go around in little circles and... And it's surprising because it's a big, it's a big bike. Yeah. You know, it's it's not your WR two fifty or something like that to yeah. go off road and on. But it's so stable. I was really surprised. I, I didn't bin it, which for me is is a bonus. Um, and it felt really confidence inspiring. It was really really pleasant to ride. Okay. I really liked it. It was and. I suppose it helps that those guys know what they're doing, so they're putting you through some exercises that they know you're going to manage, you're not going to kill yourself on those. So the DRE, the Ducati Riding Experience, that's previously only been available in Italy. Yeah, that's right. And this is the first time, or was the first time it had come to the the UK? Yeah, that was part of the Touratech travel event. Yeah. So they've got this roadshow taster uh, thing. If you go to Italy, you pay full whack for it, and you get looked after, you get put in this... um, I think they've got, like, rooms in a, like some kind of castle in the Tuscan hills naturally and, uh, absolutely stunning place you yeah. get a tour of the vineyards and whatever else <laughs> <laughs> with your thing um, so what we got was a, a Welsh pub and yeah. uh, and a ride around in Wales but but it was it was good it was good it was just like a, a couple of hours whereas in Italy you'd get a couple of days yeah right but you right. sort of get an idea of what they do yeah, which um, is great to open the door to people yeah. look come and have a go at this without committing yourself too much Come and have a taste, yeah. and if you like it, then you, we can go and do yeah. so much more. That's it. Something a lot of manufacturers are doing now. They're moving it on, aren't they? They're taking once you once you get a motorcycle now, it's those three ages, isn't it? You want the motorcycle, that's age one. Yeah, you fall in love with it. Two, you commit to buying, you buy a motorcycle, that's the second age. Third age is right. I've got it now. What do I do with it? Yeah. And it's nice that a lot of the manufacturers are now giving you something to go and do. BMW with their track days or yeah. their experiences, Ducati, Triumph, etc. Yeah. So it's good that that's all coming in. You haven't just been there though, have you? Where else have you been recently? Well, I went, I went back to Wales again um, for the um, Tenere, Yamaha Tenere experience right. with um, uh, Dylan Jones and those boys there. That was really good as well. Again, a big bike. We had both the um, the little 660 Tenere and the uh, the Super Tenere there. And I started on the, on the little one because I thought the big one looks a bit bit mean and I'm not sure what sort of trails these boys are going to push us through so I jumped on the little one and it was fine you know it's not it's not massive it's you know 600 odd cc so yeah, that was fine it was a bit it's a bit old the bike itself it's right. you know it's not been updated that much recently I think they're waiting for the for the new was it the T7 T7 yeah that, the I T7 think. that we saw in uh, well we saw it in was it Eichmer it was at Eichmer wasn't it Eichmer yeah. the motorcycle show and then it was at the NEC wasn't yeah. it as well the yeah. T7 I think yeah it was at the yeah. NEC so that I, thing is just looks weapons grade man I think, looks I think awesome. that'll be that'll be so cool I'm presuming that'll be 2018 that comes out yeah I'd like to think it's yeah I think, I'd like to think we see it at the end of this year yeah. in finished form because yeah. they showed it in like fairly finished prototype yeah, yeah. He says, like, tick-in-the-air prototype uh, (laughs) form. But, yeah, hopefully 2018. I think, yeah, a new Tenere is well, you know, well due. Mm. Um, So that would be cool. Yeah, so so the little one was fine. And then once I realised that they're not going to take us down um, a a sheer cliff edge or or anything silly, I jumped on the bigger one. And it's actually a lot better, the Super Tenere. Really? It's, uh, It's the suspension on it, the chassis all of it is just so much more modern and it's yeah. just so 
so much easier to ride. It's bigger and bulkier, but it just takes all the on the bounces and all the bumps. Yeah, right. So I've done the I've done the course with Dylan uh, Garant Jones's son, Dylan, yeah. who's a he's like a a dirt assassin. <laughs> he's very very good. And they good. are all they're all just excellent. Yeah. You'd like you know if I could if I could just have one percent of their skill, yeah, it will be two hundred percent better than I am. I know. And if I could just have it for a day, I would love that, or even just a, you know an hour of riding yeah. with them, just to ride at that level. But they are fantastic, aren't yeah. they? They don't you don't feel out of your depth, which is the nice yeah. thing. They push you, but they push you in the right way, yeah. really nicely. And that's lovely because then you start feeling like, yeah, I can handle this. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, exactly. I'm not a dirt rider, so I do it very rarely. But they sort of gradually build it up so that you start thinking you're almost lured into sort of yeah. <laughs> that sense and then, of... Uh, and then you do it and you yeah. come out the other side going, I could do it, I did do it, that's yeah. incredible. River crossings yeah. and up the, incline, uh, up the hills and down, yeah. the, uh, down the incline. Yeah. And just fantastic. And you know anybody who's followed Dakar, Enduro, etc., mm. something like that, they see the name Geraint Jones and yeah. Dylan Jones and they know these are yeah. main players in this yeah. world. You yeah, know? And, yeah, and you get to meet Geraint and he's just... Such a lovely bloke. He's yeah. so so uh, unassuming. You know, I'm just a farmer. He says, "You think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just a farmer like Rambo, with just somebody who like knives." <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, it's 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 unbelievable what they can do on the bike. If if you're listening to this and you fancy doing something like that, then I yeah. guess we would both really recommend the Absolutely. Yamaha experience with Dylan, oh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, Dylan you, Jones. They've got a big plot of private land where they run the school as well, and yeah. it's gorgeous. It's yeah. um, I think it's in the Cambrian Mountains, isn't it? Right, um, yeah. I mean, I didn't and you'll do routes through like the Hafram Forest and things mm. like that, and these are the, the routes yeah. that you'll see, like the rally cars doing and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's just a brilliant experience, and you're, hang, and you're hanging out and you're doing the day with really good guys who are there to help you improve and yeah. give you an experience. They don't want you to leave thinking, "Oh, I don't want to do that again." No, they no. want you to come back and say, "That was fantastic." Yeah, and. You sound like you had a great time. Oh, it? absolutely! No, we had fantastic weather as well, which right. helps. Yeah. So it was it was quite hard work. It was it was yeah. sweaty all Friday. But oh, that's interesting. Yeah. When I did mine, it was pouring down with rain yeah. and it was quite cold. <laughs> but you know what? I actually I enjoyed it as much as you did. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter because I mean yeah. that's what it's all about. You know, it's like just getting out there and doing it. Yeah. And it's on a good bike as well you know yeah. the tenor does feel a little old it feels a little yeah. heavy a little top heavy in particular especially over the front but like you say there's nothing wrong with it I'll bet know. next come, come next season they'll have those new T7s there oh mate yeah oh, that'll mate. be good yeah broken bones are plenty with us <laughs> yeah. definitely um, well you haven't been uh, the only one who's been out and about I've just come back from no. a trip myself um, I am running a KTM 1290 Super Duke GT uh, this year as uh, a long-term bike um, and it hasn't been ready for a few weeks so KTM very kindly uh, flew myself and uh, six others out well flew a couple of us out to Austria to pick up the bike and a few of the other guys there's five other lads who were invited from around the world and uh, they basically rode there from their respective countries on their bikes uh, and we did this uh, event where we sort of rode around uh, Italy into Austria and back into Italy. Um, but the the bigger part of it was that we all met up, we had a, a great time together, learned about the bike, experienced it, and uh, then we elected to ride home. And riding home from Italy, uh, Italy into Austria, back in, excuse me, back into Italy, 
into Switzerland, uh, into France. Uh, we did something like 975 miles in a stint. We started at half eight in the morning, and by the time we finished riding, it was something like 10 past one the following morning. Yeah. And you know what? The only thing, the only limiting factor on that bike, which surprised me, given how it looks, because it looks... It looks like it wants to eat raw meat. It looks it look, mad. Yeah, it looks yeah. like it wants to throw hand grenades in your face. <laughs> um, but the only limiting factor was we had to sleep. We yeah. reached that point where you just needed to sleep. Um, and that was our limiting factor on it. It would just go forever. It's got a 23 litre tank, 173 brake, uh, 144 newton metres of torque, and it's 228 kilos loaded. Yeah. Um, and it's just fan. Fantastic. It uses the same engine and the same electronics as on the 1290 Super Duke car. Yeah. It's got a bit of a fairing, it's got a screen on it and uh, What's wider the screen bars. like? Does it work? Yeah, it... the screen's really good. I actually preferred the screen in its lowest setting. Yeah. Because when it was in its highest setting, it got a little bit of buffeting um, at speeds. If it was over, if you're over like a ton, um, you know, let's be honest, on that bike you are over the ton in some places uh, coming across Europe. And uh, you got a little bit of buffeting, yeah. but, but not a lot. So I just dropped the screen down, and it didn't increase wind noise. And no. I think that's because the shoulders on the bike have flared yeah, yeah. quite nicely, um, and it cut the buffeting out yeah. absolutely hundred percent. Um, I know one of the other lads who rode back. We three of us rode back to the UK on the bikes, and one of the other lads did the same, and he found the same. But um, uh, the third rider, we we came back together as a trio the third rider preferred the screen up and he was no taller than us no shorter than us so I think it's horses for courses and I think it's also where you sit on the seat Um, it's got a big seat I tend to perch myself forwards because I'm quite a short arse and the other guy with the screen down he did the same he he perched himself forward he's more track oriented than I am Mm. Um, and the other guy I think sort of sat a bit further back but the screen works really well the whole bike works really well and it's got those brilliant semi-active WP yeah. suspension units on it, so you can change it as you're riding. You can change the throttle as you're riding. You can turn the ABS off. It's got a super moto setting on the ABS, so you can have ABS on the front wheel and no ABS on the back wheel. So if you want to look like a hero <laughs> or a dick, depending on your point of view, uh, you can uh, you can lock up the back wheel going yeah. into corners, um, which is terrific fun. Uh, it really is. Let's not let's not you know, beat about the bush. It, it's pretty cool. Um, but if you don't want it, you can just turn the ABS back on. You've got all the rider aids in there that you can imagine. Um, it's got anti wheelie, anti blah blah blah. Turn those off, and it's a it's a brilliant handful. It's very. I tell you what, it is. It's very first generation Tuono. Yeah. If you turn all the electronics off, and the first generation Tuono was one of my absolute favourite bikes when it first came out. But I didn't want it because I was confident that I would lose my license. I don't have that level of self-control. Yeah. Um, but this is like that. Put, turn the electrics on or turn the ignition off, turn it back on, and the electrics are there. Oh, they go on they reset. automatically. Yeah, yeah. they reset, um, which I'll get to in a moment because it's a bit annoying. But anyway, turn them on. Uh, when the electrics are on, electronics are on, it's a great bike. It will just look after you. You know, It's not to say you can't crash it. We all know you can if you ride like a an idiot or you, you're just not paying attention you can crash a bike these electronic aids do not save you but they are there as electronic aids yeah. and it's really really good I really enjoy it I think it's a fantastic motorcycle and I implore anyone who's listening to this if you want to go for a test ride on it go and have a word with KTM uh, because they will sort a test ride out for you I'm sure at a dealership and you won't believe how far uh, KTM has come in terms of making a motorcycle that you can use every day 
that is isn't isn't an adventure bike, isn't a race bike. It's somewhere between the two. It's like a brilliant sport tourer, and you'll just get off it and you'll be like, that was ticking a lot of boxes for me. Um, but yeah, the only thing I have two niggles, two niggles. The first one is the mirrors. Yeah, they just vibe away. Right. You get to sort of six, seven thousand RPM, and they're just vibing loads. You sort of get used to it and put up with it. But you know, come on, yeah. the bike's like sixteen grand or whatever yeah. it is. You know, you should have better mirrors than that. Yeah. Um, in all honesty, uh, but it is a niggle. Um, and the second one is those electronics. Just because I don't mind, it's not hard. This is going to sound like a real spoiled brat and I don't mean it to it's not hard to go to and turn electronics off right? yeah. and the KTM system's lovely four buttons to work from and it's a couple of minutes yeah. maximum you can do it on the road while you're riding the ABS you have to stop pull over or do yeah. before you take off which is fair enough but I don't want to have to keep turning it off every time I don't want it on and I sort of I'm in the mindset where I don't want it I want, I'd rather I'd rather opt in than opt out, and I know why they do it because of the legal standing, and you know you can't turn this stuff off and not notify the person. So why don't they have? And if KTM, if you're listening to this, for God's sake, do this. Why don't they have under the pillion seat, uh, uh, like a, a steer, an ignition key enabled lock? Right. You go under there, you turn it through ninety degrees, so it goes from one position into another. You can only do it with the steering with the ignition key because yeah. it has a key it hasn't got a RAID system or an in-pocket system like the Ducat is it's a key so you turn it through 90 degrees and at that point it turns all the electronics off right so you can have it in what you know what you might call beast mode right <laughs> yeah. so you have it in beast mode and to get around the whole point of well you know people might get on the bike they might not know you can have a permanent light or a permanent display on the dash that basically says all the electronics are off yeah. You, know, you ride this, you've got the full 173 brake, 144 newton metres of torque, and it's going to come in and it will kick you up the behind. And if you want that, this is where it's set. If you don't want that, go and turn it back off under the seat and have that as a permanent thing. So every time it's on, there's a massive light, there's a huge screen that says, Oi, this is now in beast mode. I reckon in, instead of that system instead of having a, a nice little key under the seat yeah, you yeah. should have a big red button on the dash no. <laughs> do not press this well so you'd be like Donald Trump yeah. with this big ooh, red button ooh, there's just your finger hovering over it yeah ooh, you'd ooh. always be pressing it you'd always be turning it off even <laughs> yeah. as soon as those little gremlins jump on your shoulder and go go on yeah. go on you don't want that full you don't need this beast mode. full beast mode it's just like I say I sound like a bit of a spoiled brat I know when I'm saying this but it's just I'd like the choice I would like the choice myself to leave the bike in whatever mode I've, I've left it in yeah. and I totally understand all the legal arguments I totally understand why people want it totally understand why you can't do it but there must be some way that by the, by the will of God there must be some way that we can work out a system where if I take the key and I, I physically make an act on it then it's how I want the bike set yeah that would work on Lots of other bikes as well. I remember last year when I had the Africa Twin, yeah. and when I went off-roading on that, it's a similar sort of thing. Whenever you switch off the um, ignition, was this in, it, the, in Spain? Yeah, in the Spanish. So you went in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. So the ABS is automatically on when you switch it on again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I suppose you could take the um, take the fuse out. Um, yeah, but that's, again, but, what a fuck. Yeah. I don't know about you, mate. I struggle to wire a plug, plug right? And you don't have me near a bike with a hammer. 
I'll find something that I can hit, thinking I look like I know what I'm doing, right? In reality, I'm just a, I'm just a monkey with a hammer. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alright, maybe that's a bit strong. Yeah, I can't wire a bullet. Um, but what a faff. I don't want to be mm. taking fuses out of bikes. I know what you're saying. Yeah. And I hear people say it all the time, just take a fuse out. But I don't want to do that. And I think... It's not a criticism against KTM. It's really a criticism against this whole... Hey, you've got to have ABS every time you turn the bike on. Yeah. Hey, I don't want ABS every time I turn the bike on, but if there's some way I can make the change, I don't mean by an app, I mean do it as a as a physical thing. So yeah, almost almost as a defence for the factory. Yeah. If you say something right, let's be grown up, let's say something bad's happened, right? Yeah. Factory man finds himself then talking to an investigator. Says the investigator, no, he knew that was turned off because he had to go through this mechanical process, he had to turn that key he had to do that and the sign was on every time that bike started up yeah great surely then that's just absolved everybody of why they do this and at that point you can turn around and go well okay you know, can you imagine the disclaimer sticker that would be next to that that's <laughs> <laughs> bigger than the i tell you it'd bring back those big old fat rear ends wouldn't it just for the disclaimer sticker on the side there now yeah, 20 pages of the owner's manual. This, you're on your own. You're on your own, son. Don't bother come crying to us when this flips you out of the seat at 100 mile an hour or chucks you down the road or spits you into the nearest hedge. Yeah. You are on your own. But yeah, it'd be so cool. Pretty good. It'd be so cool Pretty to good. do that. It's not a big thing. It's just a niggle. Yeah. But, you know, when I was riding back, I think a couple of times I thought, oh, I just want to turn the ABS off here. Yeah. Just because we were sort of riding and getting, it, uh, you know, getting into it. And I couldn't because I didn't want to pull over and stop. Could have pulled over and stopped. It wouldn't have been a great deal. But I didn't want to pull over and stop. I just wanted to press a button and it should be like bang yeah. and or, or already have it in that mode. I guess what it is is you know you offer somebody something they'll always want more of what they yeah, like. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, and that's the world we're finding yeah. ourselves in at the moment. You know, good ABS, great. I mean, mid corner ABS. Yeah, man. Have you have you actually tried anything mid corner? I don't have, I don't have the balls to slam on the brakes when I'm in a corner. Brother, I do not have the balls to do that. And I, I mean, we've got we've got guys like Roland Brown who went on the world launch of the Bosch mid corner ABS system, uh, whatever it is, nine M. I don't yeah. know what it's called. Anyway, and he went out and he did it. He was mid corner and he was whacking the brakes on, and he came back and he said, "Okay, that was brilliant." I used it once on the ride back. Uh, an Italian guy in front of me. Cocked up a line. We were going over a pass uh, into Switzerland from Italy, and uh, he cocked up his line. I was, I made the error. He made an error, and I was not in a sensible place where I could yeah. make the most of it. I had to grab the brake. I tried laying the bike over a little bit, and then I felt the front ABS actually kicking at that point. Wow. And I tell you what, it's a sobering experience to think, wow, if that hadn't cut in, would I have ended up on my backside? Yeah. Uh, maybe I would have. And you know, you're thinking all this while you're accelerating out the corner. <laughs> yeah. Thinking, right, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah. Let's not do that in the next corner. Yeah, exactly. But it, it, it cut in, and whether it saved me or not, moot point, I'll never know. I like to think it did, because yeah. um, I was riding like an idiot at, the point, at that point, because I had nowhere to go, it's my fault. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing experience to feel the front actually going dang, 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 dang. And then I just rode out of it, you know, not laying on my side, not crying like a baby, not with torn kit. Yeah. So... Interesting, really. It really is. Another thing, though, while we're out there, hey, 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 we have ridden with the future, or rather, I have ridden with the future at the moment. New Viz. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Now, now you love that. Seriously, uh, amazed by it. The New Viz is this head-up display system. Uh, when we were out there, a big secret with KTN, there was something going on. We weren't going to be told what it was, blah, 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 blah. 
we get out there, very convivial, everyone's having a great time, we're riding bikes, a good day in the office. In the evening, these three guys turn up from newbies and we've ridden with these heads-up display uh, systems on our helmets. They fitted them, they ran us through the system and off we went. I came back from this big ride and then rode home. So basically I rode 1,400 miles, something like that, yeah. maybe. Um, and I've ridden more since yeah. with this Nuvis system on the helmet. And I've got to tell you, it is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, you were quite taken with it when I showed it to yeah. you on, on my lid. Um, so it's a bolt-on system. It just goes yeah. on any helmet that, well, any full face exactly that yeah. any full face it's a bolt on system goes on the side it's like if, it's hard to describe imagine a curved remote control uh, for your telly that's got no yeah. buttons on it so it's just a black curved remote control it's about that size bolts onto the side of your helmet or sticks onto the side of your helmet and it's got a little projector screen above and you uh, and the screen for it's colour and it's projected into there and effectively you've got a screen that's two inches away from your visor so it sits on the outside and you're looking through your visor at the screen. Sounds like a gimmick. Is a gimmick for the first five minutes. After the first five minutes, it's a bloody good tool. Do you reckon that quickly? Five minutes and you're five into minutes. it? Five yeah. minutes, yeah. We were just faffing about with it because it's got a hand control unit, which is mounted to your handlebars. So you, you can scroll through your screens. It's got maps, ride, uh, route, phone, music, camera. Uh, it's got a camera built into the front. Um, the camera's really tricky. You can position the camera wherever you want. You press the camera button on the handlebar controller. Yeah. The camera turns on, and you see a live, full-color image on the screen of what the camera can see. Right. So you can make sure you're setting it up perfectly. Press the button, click, there's a picture taken. Instantly downloads that to your phone. Yeah. A, a gallery it creates on your phone. So your images are straight on your phone straight away. You long hold press the... Um, uh, camera button and it starts recording yeah uh, and that is stored onto the built-in SD card yeah 32 meg gold card pretty much the same as everything else uh, when I was riding back I had my Bluetooth my Senna 10C Bluetooth on the helmet and we put this on as well the Nuvis and we had Nuvis talking to the Senna so I didn't need to put the new speakers in I could use the speakers I was comfortable with yeah, inside yeah. the helmet and I could use all of that so both Bluetooth units talking to each other and as you're riding, this is the weird bit, as you're riding, you're looking down at your dash and the Nuvis guys have really cleverly worked out the, the focus point of where you look and the screen is the same focal point as the dash on your bike. I don't know how they did it. I'm sure they could sit down and talk to you about optics and how they did it. Yeah. And they did go on about that a bit, but I sort of switched off. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't care. Show me the magic. Yeah, how does it, how does yeah. it work? I don't really need to know how the magic works. Yeah. Just let me have a go with the magic. Yeah. And it works. I'm looking at the dash, and the dash on the KTM set for KMH, because we're in Austria, yeah. Italy, etc. Next to it, I've got the little screen showing me my live MPH because it's got built-in GPS into the unit as well. So it knows accelerometers, it's got accelerometers, um, it knows how, where you are, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I'm watching that and I've got a live MPH speedo floating effectively alongside my normal dash. Two clicks on the hand unit and I'm into music. It's bringing up the headline or the, the title of the next track. It's linked to my phone so I can listen to the music. I can listen to it, I can change the volume without taking my hand off the handlebar. I can forward uh, through the tracks. I press it again, I'm into routes. Now we've plotted the route that we're doing on the phone, you do it via an app, very yeah. simple. 
and uh, it's showing me the route. So I'm now riding behind a guy from KTM who knows these roads really well. And I'm right behind him, having a great time riding along. Pace is pretty good. Um, so I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is cool, this is cool. I wish I knew what was coming around the corner. Yeah. Hang on a minute. So I looked, I went into the route, and it showed me a little map on this screen, which, again, if you imagine, when you're looking at your dash, it's about the same size as the whole dash. Yeah. Um, it's weird to explain, but it sort of floats there. Um, and it showed me this screen, uh, and then I, it gave me an option I could pull out. So I pulled out, pulled out, pulled out, pulled out, and it was just like a, a normal sat-nav. I could pull out to show me more of the road that was ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was using it as a, almost like a co-pilot, almost like a, you know rally drivers have that guy next to them going, yeah, yeah. right, four, don't back off, you know, <laughs> left, crest, you know, <laughs> six, alpha, whatever it is. Yeah. I've got this telling me, and you can have the voice coming in as well, telling you next turn, next turn. Um, on the on the satnav part of it, which is all included in the phone, it all downloads the maps into the unit itself, so you don't need a Wi-Fi connection. Um, and it was just it was basically showing me what's coming up next. So we're going That's into awesome. blind rights, blind lefts, whatever. And I know I've got three of these: one, two, three. And where we're on a long bit and it's a straight bit, I put the bike in comfort mode. When I see the squiggles are coming up in half a mile's time, sport mode, and just go for it. Yeah. And it is amazing. It's not often, oh mate, I hate tech until tech works and it works effortlessly it and it links up. seamless, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. seamless is the word. And I love this thing. It has changed, it's changed that trip for me in the same way that the first time I rode with the Bluetooth changed yeah, it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, this is the thing, people go, yeah, I don't like that though. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm the type of rider who just likes to ride. <laughs> I don't need any attraction or interruption. Fine, turn it off. Because, you know, there were parts where I was turning everything off and just enjoying the ride. But when I wanted a bit of music or I wanted to see what was coming up or I wanted to know my MPH speed for whatever reason, it works. Yeah. It's just bloody good. It's a bit pricey at the moment. You can only buy them direct from Nuviz. Uh, and Nuviz is N-U-V-I-Z. If you're listening to this and you want to see a uh, video that we made of it, it will go up on Motorcycle Sport and Leisure's uh, website. We'll put it up on more bikes as well, but a little bit further down the line. Um, and Motorcycle Sport and Leisure has my review of it in the new issue. Yeah. Uh, that will be coming out pretty soon. That's uh, the one with July. the Scrambler on the cover. That's it. Um, but if you want to have a look, you know, there's various ways you can do it with us. Um, have, a, have a hunt around on the digital platforms with us. Um, you can only buy it from Nuviz at the moment. It's N-U-V-I-Z, nuviz.com. And it costs... 699 euro um, now that sounds a lot and let's be honest it is a lot that's yeah. the price of a new lid that's a new RI new showy yeah. uh, new top of the range thing new jacket something like that yeah I suppose if you compare it to something like the you know the new Schubert C4 helmet that's got the internal um, comms unit yeah, yeah. that you can just slot in place yep. I think that one costs uh, I think the standard costs the couple of hundred and the the pro version is just under three hundred pound. Yeah. But that's that's just Bluetooth. That's not exactly. That's not your camera, your hood display, your yeah. maps, your navigation. Yeah. Man, it is amazing. Uh, six hundred ninety nine euro, a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who tells you it's not a lot of money, they're living in the fantasy land. Six hundred ninety nine euro, a lot of cash. I'm loath to say it's worth that because. If somebody said to me, give me 700 euro right now, I'd be a bit annoyed. But if you want this tech, you want this heads-up display, you want that next step, mm. 
without it sounding or feeling like an affectation, without it sounding or feeling like a gizmo. Yeah. Something you actually would use. This is bloody good. Well, I suppose. I mean, I've not tested it, so I don't know how well it works. Yeah. But if you can, with that system, basically bypass the need for a, a sat-nav yeah. and a helmet um, Bluetooth system, yeah. then you're not talking much more than you would spend on a proper good sat-nav and a proper good Absolutely. Bluetooth system. Absolutely. I mean, effectively, it's you think of, think of this system like, um, as the guys described it, it's effectively a smartphone that you, you attach to the side of your helmet. That's kind of the brains that are in there. Um, and the guys who worked on it worked for Nokia and other people as well. So they do know what they're talking about. Um, so it's kind of like a smartphone in terms of what it can do. Um, and it just works. It's just, it's like you said earlier on, it's seamless. Mm. And the moment it's seamless, the moment it makes a better experience, better. Um, but of course you can yeah, turn the last it off. Thing, the last thing you want is for it to just be there annoying you. Oh, you know what it's like when you put something on your lid or a new bit of kit, a new glove, new boot, anything, and you just run it, it's not working properly. Yeah. just distracts you from oh, what you're yeah, doing it and, gets annoying. Yeah, and detracts from where you are yeah. and what's the point you know motorcycles have very few positives but the positives they have are immense yeah. so you've got your power you've got your cornering you've got your, your filtering ability you know we're, we've got rubbish weather protection yeah. as a whole you know we're a, we're a minority of road users we're vulnerable they're negatives and we all know that yeah. I don't want anything that takes away from the positives positives and riding bikes is so brilliant so fantastic everybody should be out there doing it in my opinion you know it's great and I don't want anything to distract from it or detract yeah. from it this thing doesn't and I, I wasn't convinced. You know, I sat there with a bit of the old grumpy crossed arms, giving yeah. it the whole, well, it's just a phase, and I don't think this heads up's going to do anything, <laughs> actually. The next morning, after five minutes with it, I'm like, oh, man, don't ever take this off my helmet. <laughs> I would feel like I'm missing something if I didn't have a little colour screen now effectively floating, you know, in the bottom right of my vision. And its positioning's very good as well, because bottom right of your, your vision, you might think, oh, it's going to be too... Uh, distracting it yeah. really isn't it's it's hard to explain how positive it feels once you got used to it yeah. um you know the, the like an idiot the very first thing that uh, that or uh, in the first 10 minutes that i was struggling with was when i wanted to look at the bottom of the screen i was putting my head down oh yeah rather than my eyes just going to the bottom of the screen my head's in the same position and when i put my head down of course i wasn't looking at any different part of the screen and the screen was just moving it's weird when you, you're sort of embarrassed enough yeah. to say, how old am I? Yeah. I can't work this out. You know, a five-year-old kid would have this yeah. down by now. Did but, you guys say anything about that becoming an integral part of a helmet? Did they have any plans on producing a helmet with that? Like, you know, like the sad, sad story of Scully and yeah. whoever else. We've seen these smart helmet projects. I did ask, I did ask Malty, who's uh, one of the main guys, uh, the owner of the company, um, co-owner of the company, uh, about that and he said they have been in talks with people about this but he doesn't see it happening in the immediate or near future maybe at some point yes okay. he said but the issue comes with the sheer cost to a helmet manufacturer because um, I said this it didn't even occur to me that uh, you know a helmet manufacturer if they want to release a new model they have to do two three different shell sizes different shell shapes got the interiors and all mm. this if they're then going to incorporate a system into it, it considerably adds to the, the development costs of yeah. a helmet. Uh, and helmets, you know, despite what we're saying about 
a pricey helmet is a pricey helmet, yeah. they're not in the thousands of pounds bracket. No, so well, I suppose even that the Schubert lid that I mentioned, the C4, I think that's what six hundred and fifty quid. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Exactly, which is a lot of money. Let's that, not that, that, let's not get away from it. Yeah, but that's not including the comms kit. So yeah, that's another three hundred or three hundred, whatever so, it is. Yeah. So yeah, so Marty said, look, that's the issue currently. But then currently, you know, the issue, the issue, what five years ago was that somebody had an idea. Hey, you know that stuff that helicopter pilots have? Can we not use that? Can we not put that in a, or a similar thing, or something that's like that in a helmet? Yeah. And that was five years ago. You know, now you can go and buy one. Yeah. Um, and like everything, it's at the very start of its life, effectively now. So what we've got is brilliant. I, I use it on every ride. Um, I'm really enjoying it, and I really recommend somebody goes and tries it if they're listening to this. Um, but we're at the start. So mm. not that this system is clunky or primitive or anything. In the grand scheme of things, in 10 years' time, you know, when we jump in on our electric-powered hover bikes yeah. and uh, we, we start the systems in the helmet by saying hello and then it's like an Iron Man thing yeah. on the inside of the visor yeah. and it's reactive to our mood, our, our temperament, our, our core temperature, our eye movement, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We'll look back on this and go, wow, how primitive was that? Yeah. But Would say like two stuff from a Sherbet. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, exactly, exactly. Definitely not. No, keep riding. <laughs> would sir like our GV250 mode? <laughs> yes, sir would, yes. Just keep it in that for a bit. Yeah. Tell you what, that would make turning the ABS off bloody easy, wouldn't it? Damn. Turn ABS off. Sir has to pull over by the side <laughs> of the road. God damn it. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, so that was the new viz. Um, man, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was cracking. Yeah, I did I call it. I, I did call good. it Jarvis all the way through, <laughs> just for an Iron Man <laughs> reference. I wanted um, to call it uh, after Jesse Mack in Street Hawk. Yeah, yeah, because all we need now is the flip up visor and then Street Hawk, and we're, we're laughing, mate, because yeah. you know I've got a Street Hawk system now. <laughs> uh, but there you go. You know, Norman Wallace, the uh, it was the FBI or CIA agent. You never watched Street Hawk, did you? I did, I did. Did you? Yeah, show it in yeah, Finland. Yeah, 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 they showed it. Yeah. All right. So what was, was what was what was what was Norman's Norman Tuttle? I can't remember. I never really bothered with it. It was all about oh, Night Rider. You're such a scumbag, <laughs> Night Rider. <laughs> it was. Oh Christ! Then it'd be Airwolf. Airwolf was better than none of that. No, it wasn't Street Hawk. I, I had bikes. I think I was. I think it was at the time when I was quite young. Uh, we were all I, young. Because I was significantly younger than you, obviously. Um, but I think yeah. I, it was just around that time where I need, I, I was supposed to be in bed when that was on and I had to sort of sneak out and, and pretend that I needed a glass, glass of water, water or whatever else yeah, 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 yeah. just to catch Glass of pickled fish. Yeah. Oh, this is on. Oh. Can, can, can I sit down? Can I stay here and watch it? Minutes. That'd be amazing. My tummy hurts. This would help. <laughs> yeah. Amazing what you do when you're 18. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> anyway, right, let's move on from that because the new viz was fantastic. Um... In terms of new viz, we've got a bit of new news, hot news this morning, um, which we've put up on the More Bikes website. Uh, and we got a quote from Ernesto Marinello, who's the... Uh, uh, to boil down what he does, he looks after Ducati's racing effort. Yeah. Um, and if you were watching Mizano MotoGP practice or Mizano World Superbike practice... You will have seen the Ducatis. I think it was Michele Pirro's bike in MotoGP. It was definitely Chaz's bike in World Superbikes. They went out with uh, what's called a lenticular wheel uh, on the back of their bikes uh, from Ducati. This lenticular wheel is effectively a wheel cover. As far as we can work out, it's a wheel cover. It looks like uh, a big frisbee. Yeah, like a big frisbee. Exactly. Mm. 
great way of putting it. It looks like a big carbon frisbee that they've stuck on the back wheel, like like uh, you see some cyclists yeah. have when yeah, they do time yeah, trialing, yeah. etc. And they've gone out with this, and we've seen this, and we uh, contacted Ducati. I said, look, that's very exciting. What What is it? What does it do? Why are you running it? Um, and are we going to see it on the bike in the future? And if so, are we going to see it on road bikes? And uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think we'd get a response. Uh, not because Ducati are like that, but just because, you know, if you're a race programmer, you're developing bits, you get a lot of people saying, what's that? Yeah, are we going to see it on a bike? Way. Exactly. And, you know, they might be working through 50 things in the next three months. And yeah, yeah, you might see some of them on there. You might not. Who knows? We're just trying out ideas. And this is the great, a great place to go out in the environment and see how it works. But we got this quote back from Ernesto, um, which was fantastic. And he said, uh, at the moment we're using it to, um, to make the back right side of the World Superbike more aerodynamically efficient. Yeah. And it's all about, apparently, it's all about how you close the bubble. Because the single-sided swing arm, so, yeah. so the other side of it needs, uh, needs. Need to cover to, to be more aerodynamic. <laughs> that thing. Easy for you to yeah. say, aerodynamic. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, so they're doing that. And he said, we plan to use it more in practice sessions. Uh, they're getting the data on it. They're developing it, developing the idea. In terms of a road bike, he said um, there are no plans for it to go onto a road bike, but they want to do more development and get more tech technical data really yeah. from it and in that respect you know they'll, they'll then assess the program as yeah. they go I suppose to a degree your race bikes are going to be ridden in more controlled environment than your yeah, road true. bikes but what, what environment could you ride a road bike in where a lenticular wheel would be a a hazard would it be I don't know would it be a hazard in high winds or something like that does it hmm? would it would it give you a big enough area there to that didn't even occur to me yeah I suppose so in cross winds because mm. it's a, effectively filling in the back wheel mm. yeah but really I don't know if, you, if you're cornering it's where do you go cross wind coming I don't know maybe I mean they wouldn't put it on the front would they for that very reason I mean, yeah, the front, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the wind, if you've got a, a, a push on the rear. But then we ran, oh, what was it last week we ran? Oh, there's a patent by Suzuki of that GSXRR. Patent, remember, was, with the, oh, with yeah, the yeah, fin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a weird inverted V fin yeah. on the belly pan. Yeah. Yeah, the, a, some kind of air intake or, or uh, yeah, no, an aero, the aerodynamic, an aerodynamic yeah. fin thing, but an inverted one on the belly pan yeah. of a bike that looks like the Moto Grand Prix bike. Yeah. But then why would you patent that? This was the question we were asking. Why would you spend time, money and effort doing a patent for something that's going on a race bike? Yeah. All right, we might be adding two and two together and coming up with five here. But you don't paint and everything goes on the race bike. You know, Ducati and this lenticular wheel idea haven't painted in that. Honda don't paint things that are going on their race bikes. Mm-hmm. You paint stuff that's going on a road bike because you want to protect that avenue. Um, like I say, two and two could be making five, could be mm-hmm. making ten. I could be completely left field with this, completely wrong. But we'll see what happens with it. Yeah. You know. But interesting about that lenticular wheel. Yeah. You know, Chaz went out on it. I haven't had a chance to speak to Chad yet to find out It'd what he thinks. It would be interesting to get his thoughts on it. It really would. It really would. Because if there is a benefit, mate, you know what racing's like. As soon as there's a benefit on anything, yeah. bang, 
it'll be on everybody's bike. Yeah. I don't care who you are, you know, you'll go and you'll go with a lenticular yeah. wheel. They'll have, they'll have wings on the bike even if they don't know where to put them. And yeah, <laughs> well, they've had, they've had it in Motor Grand Prix, haven't they? <laughs> they did. And now they're taking... Everyone had different kinds of wings. Yes, the wings, yeah, exactly. And now they're trying to keep the wings inside the fairings so they're not protruding and now some of the wing blades are, are being lost because what they're discovering is they can get a similar effect with just a, a bulge in a certain yeah. place. It's such an exciting time for the next phase of motorcycling. It really is. But yeah, it'd be interesting about that. Um, and then you got that uh, that thing through from Ducati, staying on the Ducati oh, yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. The, the um, announcement. Yeah, the um, the end tells the whole story. Is that what they called it? Yeah, so, something right. along those lines. Yeah. So it looks like it's the end of the road for the the Panigale. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's that's quite an interesting. I mean, they haven't said it though. Have they haven't said it, but that's what we're reading between the lines. Yeah. Um, so they're they're launching something on was it the seventh of July? Yeah, Laguna Seca yeah. round, isn't it? The World yeah. Superbikes. Yeah, they're going to do yeah. it there. Yeah. So they're going to launch something then, and um, what we think it might be, it might be the the swan song of the of the Panigale. Mm. Um, it could turn out to be a. Uh, an electric scooter, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. a tricolour paint job, yeah, yeah, yeah a tricolory yeah. or it something like be. that. It could be a number of things. It could, yeah, yeah. But we know the V4 is coming, yeah, from Ducati. Claudio Domenicali, a good while ago, I think this was pre-Eichmann, so pre-October last year, Claudio said, "We are building the V4. You will be able to buy it as a road bike. The V4 yeah. is coming." Yeah, fantastic. So if this is the end of the Panigale. Again, there's lots of ifs and ands. Yeah. If this is the end of the Panigale and there's a V4 coming, does that mean it's the end of the Panigale? Here's the V4. Hello, V4. Because we're going to see the V4 October time, November yeah. time. Yeah, it'll be. Eichmann's yeah. November. Yeah, November, yeah, we're in early November yeah. Ten days or so after the, after yeah. Eichmann. Um, so that'll be a perfect chance for everybody to show the V4. It's Eichmann, Eichmann, Eichmann. If they've got the V4 there, like the Super Ligera last yeah. year. Oh, that looked good. Oh, man. What a bike. It looked good. I've not seen so many grown men become <laughs> unnecessary around the motorcycle in a long time. I think the last yeah. time, genuinely the last time I saw that was probably RC30. Yeah. Mid-80s. Wow. Yeah, man. That was like, there were, there were men having, having moments <laughs> yeah. just looking at that thing. And a Super Ligera. Ah, oh, mate, can you imagine if... If you were listening to this now and you hadn't seen a Super Ligera in the flesh, you'd just be like, really? Grow up. What, yeah. What's wrong with you two? I mean, really. But it was incredible. It, eh? it looked so good. Carbon, yeah. carbon, carbon. Yeah. Carbon, carbon. Yeah. And a, and a touch of carbon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you draw more carbon on that, <laughs> yeah. sir. Yeah. They come out with a massive grater, don't they? <laughs> yeah. We've got some carbon. Just say when. Yeah. Parmesan, carbon. Uh, yeah. Oh, mate, it was amazing. And wet. They had that one on the scales, didn't they? That Super Ligera Eichmann. Wet. It was 161 kilo. On the, and they actually had the scales there to show off, and they had the engine yeah. next to it, and then they had the frame next to it, and then the wheels, and you're like going, oh man, 72,000 pounds, and it's it sold awesome. out. Yeah, like that. Really, really quick. Crazy. But if they've got the V4, Ducati yeah. have got the V4, um, we know Honda have patented the full V4. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they did have a great TT with that Fireblade. It didn't go entirely to plan, did it? No, not the slightest, did it? I mean, they're struggling with the blade. Yeah. I think that's clear. In terms of racing, the yeah. racing world, they're struggling with the blade. We know that. 
Yeah, but, I mean, the old version's doing well, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. But we know they've got the V4 coming as well. Yeah. So are we now in the era where it's V4s, V4 victories? That would be awesome if 2018 was the year when they the year start, of the V4. start building the yeah. V4s. I tell you, it's, I think Yamaha, this is going to sound a bit weird, but I think Yamaha started something a couple of years ago when they launched the R1 and the R1M. Because Yamaha were very keen to tell us on the launch that um, basically they, they'd had enough of having to compromise for the road. So they built the new R1 as it was then. Um, basically, like it, it's, it, we're building it to go out on track. Yeah. Any consideration we need to make for the road isn't going to be enough to make that a, a comfortable, easy-going road bike. Yeah. And if you're going to buy it, for the road, you, you, you sort of buy these bikes knowing what you're getting into, right? These are pedigrees, these are razor sharp, these are strong. Um, so you kind of accept that. And once Yamaha, Yamaha said, once they sort of got their head around that, and they were like, right, okay, let's make a track bike. The R1 just took a massive step forward, changed everything, it really did. In the same way, not quite to the same extent, but in a very similar way, the way the Blade did in 92 when it turned up, it just, it changed everything. All of a sudden we're like, Right, so this is what you can do. And to a lesser extent, Aprilia were doing that just before as well with the RSV4. Yeah. You look at that and go, right, this is super cool. And I think now, all these V4s, when they come out, there's going to be very few considerations for the road. It'll be road legal, don't get me yeah. wrong. But the suspension, you aren't going to have a road setting. You aren't going to have anything like that. They're just not going to mess around with no. it. Because, you know, it'll what do you be, want? You want a V4 Honda. Be. Effectively, you want the MotoGP bike, yeah. do you? So okay, well, here's a MotoGP <laughs> bike. No, it doesn't go well at 30 mile an hour when you're going through a, a village. It is a bit of a handful over sleeping policemen or speed bumps, whatever you want to call them. Yes, it, it, it takes a little while to heat up. Yes, it's not comfortable. No, you can't go touring on it. Well, you can, but if you do, you're going to need a chiropractor halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. You're buying a V4, and it's That's like it. a MotoGP bike. That's what it. do you want? Your sport, uh, your um, riding modes are sport, track, race, <laughs> and mental. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Something along those lines. Yeah. Right? But they're appealing to a generation of people who grew up, if you were riding when you were yeah. younger, who grew up on things like 252 strokes. Yeah which were uncomfortable, <laughs> all about keeping your momentum, keep your revs up, you know, corner speed, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it might just all work, you know. We might be coming into a real golden age yeah. of, um, of that type of thing. So fingers crossed. That would be cool. Absolutely fingers crossed. So we think it might be the end of the pan. We'll keep you up to speed, obviously. Keep watching the websites and following the magazines. We'll keep you fully up to speed with that when, it, when the announcement is made as to what this bike is. Yeah. Um, but yeah we're talking about bikes like that one thing that did occur to me um, as well putting together the last issue of Motorcycle Monthly the due I think it was the July issue is it the July issue you got it no. the July issue of Motorcycle Monthly which you can get in all, all dealers and loads of CAFs and places like that it's the free paper that you pick up basically and take home um, but just putting that together I did a I put a feature in um, about the RG500 Suzuki the Gamma and uh, I love that bike, absolutely. I was too young for it when it came out. Uh, I, I wasn't uh, legally old enough to ride bikes. I wasn't, you know, so it was just this thing that I sort of lusted after, fell in love with at a distance. And it's just incredible. And uh, I put a feature in Motorcycle Monthly about it. 
about this this model of bike, the Suzuki RG500 Gamma. And then uh, at the same time, you were putting a feature into Motorcycle Sport and Leisure about the new R6 yeah. Yamaha. Yeah. We talk about MotoGP packages, etc. And that R6 Yamaha um, really does, it uses a lot of the electronics and a lot of the touches that the R1 used yeah, when that came out a couple of years ago. Back, which all comes from the 2011 MotoGP electronics package. So you kind of, you are literally riding stuff that was Moto Grand Prix 5, 6, seven years ago yeah um, and I mean you think about that that's incredible the RG500 had nothing on it it was a two stroke um, a brilliant experience to ride them brilliant experience to have them um, I would have one in a heartbeat if I could and the R6 is now I guess kind of filling that gap of where the 500 was back then I know people are there will be saying well it's more of a thousand that's filling the gap but it's a 600 and it's a 500 and I just I quickly jotted down a few comparison stats just because I was reading the 500 and you know I'm firmly in the two stroke camp always <laughs> but the RG500 mid 80s it made 95 brake horsepower made 154 kilos the R6 makes 116 brake horsepower and weighs 190 kilos so it's 95 154 116 190 the seat height on the R6 is 850 mil it's quite a high seat when you think it about it. A, yeah. On the on the Super Duke that we rode back on, that was an eight three five, and it felt quite high. Yeah. But the R six is eight fifty. Um, the RG five hundred was seven seventy. Much much easier to get on with, and you felt a bit more like you were sitting in yeah. the bike. Uh, when, but some people don't like that. This is the thing, though, for me. Um, so the R six has a seventeen liter fuel tank. Yeah. The RG five hundred. The RG500 has a 22-litre fuel tank. The KTM Super Duke, which is meant to be a massive sport tourer, only has a 23-litre fuel tank. The RG has a 22-litre fuel tank. I mean, great. You could just keep going on it, you know, but it's a two-stroke, so you need to stop for oil, obviously. <laughs> um, so that's 17 litres, 22 litres. And the RG has a, a really good pillion on it in comparison to modern bikes. I remember at the time it was a little bit tiny in comparison to what was out there uh, on the 500 gamma but you know you look at the r6's pillion well, and the bike hasn't been designed for it obviously but no, it's like a, a little, yeah a, what, a tupperware box shelf there. exactly <laughs> that exactly that but it just got me thinking you know it just got me thinking that if somebody came out now a manufacturer with a bike and said right this bike weighs 154 kilos makes 95 brake has a 22 litre tank 770 seat height and uh good pillion and a big fairing that you can tuck in mate the biking world would just snap it up they yeah. really would yeah, you know? awesome. talk to Miguel Galuzzi the great Miguel Galuzzi the guy who came up with the monster for Ducati amongst many 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 other motorcycles and Galuzzi told me this was ages ago at his uh, design studio um, he said to me that in an ideal world he'd want to make a bike that makes 50 brake horsepower and weighs 80 kilos and he said that's where he thinks it's going. Wow. Um, and he's and we were talking about him using composite materials, you know, monocoque chassis, and maybe printing out parts and using super strong plastics, where he can dial in the amount of flex that he wants in different areas mm. of the chassis. Um, he can use the different combination of, of materials to make the, the spine, the skeletal structure of these bikes. And Galuzzi's just like. Yeah, that, that's kind of it, you know. He doesn't see the future as being 
solely about tech, solely about yeah. bikes getting faster or lighter or, or, or handling better. He sees it as being something achievable, easy to get on with. You know, and when you think yeah. the, the next generation, let's talk about us, we're crusty old farts. <laughs> let's it's, face it, yeah. But it's true. You know, and we've got, we've got uh, lads working um, with us, uh, like Ross Mowbray, yeah. who's early 20s. We've got Carl Stevens, early 20s. You know, not even them. I'm talking about the generation after them. So the guys who are now sort of 13, 14, 15 and starting to look at the motorcycles that are out there. And at the moment, a lot of the bikes are quite heavy and they're quite, you know, and the power's there and they're, they're, they're lovely bikes to ride. I'm not criticising them. I'm just saying, I think the next stage is going to be something that is more tailored to them. Because yeah. we're getting the V4s. We're getting the big adventure bikes, you know. We're getting the 180 brake horsepower. Yeah. We're getting the ABS that we want turned off, even though we're idiots. <laughs> yeah. They're going to want a completely different experience. They're going to want to get on the bike and just ride it and have good handling, lightweight, nimble, rapid when they want it to be. Yeah. Motorcycles, you know. So I think it's so exciting. Yeah. And if you look at those two comparisons of the RG500 and the R6, the comparisons are there to be made. And if you could produce a bike like the RG500. Now, in terms of just the spec sheet, mm. obviously without the noxious blue haze of two-stroke oil belching out everywhere. Oh, that's the best I, part. Oh, mate. The amount of times when I got my first RG2, RGV 250, the amount of times I just go around a roundabout, just, this sounds so stupid, go around a roundabout just so I could smell, <laughs> smell yeah. the, the, the two-stroke. Yeah. yeah, you put Castrol TTS, fully synthetic in, go to a roundabout and just be lapping, yeah. getting your knee down, trying to get your knee down when you're learning how to do it. And you're just taking lungfuls of two-stroke. I mean, <laughs> what, what idiots. Perfect. What idiots we were stroke up. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I think, it's a, I think it's a fascinating thing. Fascinating area that we're going into. Yeah. Uh, I just want to see more of it, mate. I want to see yeah. more of these 3D printed stuff. Or, yeah, I think there's a lot of exciting stuff out there. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. How light and... Um, Sturdy, they can make these bikes. Yeah, you know, like oh, yeah. if they can start producing three D printed parts that are strong enough, yeah, to be put on bikes and light enough, then you can shave off loads. Of Tell you what, man, I am so looking forward to the day when one kid can email his mate with a hacked a hacked program for a three D printer, and you can print this out, and it's a new um, valve that opens up something inside the engine of the bike that you've got. And they can print it off. They haven't paid any money. They can print it off and like bolt it into their engine and suddenly they've got an extra 10 brake horsepower. It makes a hell of a difference to your mate turning up with the Micron pipe <laughs> that he doesn't want anymore. Yeah. You hacksawing through the original pipe on your 125 and trying some desperate way to bodge a fix on it. Yeah. And then convinced that you could now do 103 miles an hour where you couldn't. You're probably taking 10 brake horsepower off the bike. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? But it's it just will a, blow your ears off. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, somebody messaging his mate with this new app that'll download or open up all this in the bike and yeah. just around the corner from it. It's so exciting. You know, I, I want some kid going past me bloody wearing the inappropriate clothes, going like a bat out of hell on something that he's hacked himself yeah. and you know, from the, a bike he saved up for and then his mate has given him this download and off yeah. he goes. You know, I can't wait, cannot wait to see it. And it's out there, and the desire's out there, and bikes are looking super sexy. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, it's a It'll sexy be, yeah. thing to go and do. It still is. 
you know, and yeah, all the time, mummy and daddy are saying to little Johnny, wouldn't you like a nice little car? If John is determined enough, he goes, no, actually, I don't, thanks. I, yeah. I want to ride bikes. Even when it's snowing and it's icy, <laughs> yeah. the bike looks more fun than your average Nissan Micra. Yeah. Thank no, you very much. Nothing wrong with Nissan Micras, thank you very much. Yeah, but they're boring. Well, they are. Right, exactly. I mean, look at that BMW, that S310R. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, That's yeah. the, currently, is the TVS Akula Apache in India. Yeah, that looks nice. That's going to be awesome when yeah. that comes out, man. Yeah. Now, based around that G310, yeah. uh, the naked bike, yeah. this is effectively the little super bike. Proper from BMW. Bike. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And BMW and TVS have worked on it, so if because we're calling it BMW, BMW haven't announced this is coming out. They've not made any any breaths towards it. But BMW and TVS, the Indian company, both worked on the G310, yeah. and that has spurred the G310. TVS have released or are about to release the Apache, which is the fared super bikey version of the G310 uh, chassis and engine. So we are kind of hoping it's going to come out with BMW badges and it looks like a mini S, yeah. S1000. Yeah. Exactly. It looks it looks freaking brilliant. It I does. think it's absolutely brilliant bike. And I'm, look, I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Got lots around the corner. Yeah. Uh, we've got a good summer to get through. Let's hope this weather continues. It's hot. It's still good fun. Perfect for riding now. Oh man, perfect. absolutely. Vented leathers on all the time, yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah. We certainly don't ride without the correct protective certainly gear. Certainly not. I tick that health and safety box for when the bosses listen to this. Yeah. Good. Um, oh, uh, one last thing before we go, and just to draw your attention to it, if you're listening to this and you haven't perhaps seen the story, but um, what do you make of this vigilante call to arms thing? Though? Oh yeah, the um, Ace Cafe... The call to arms. Well, well hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. It wasn't an Ace Cafe call to arms. At, I just need to say this. Ace Cafe. Yeah, it was yeah. a notice. There was, was a notice a, put yeah. up at the Ace Cafe. Yeah. Uh, it was then taken down, and the Ace said, Look, nothing to do with us. Yeah. Um, we took it down, so we need to just make sure we distance the story from yeah, yeah, the Ace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, right. So we, we just want to make that absolutely clear. But you're right, there was a notice yeah. put up. Sorry, mate, you tell the story. Yeah, it was a notice put up at the Ace Cafe um, by someone called Jack Delad, uh, who wanted to find like-minded people yeah. to basically go and hunt down uh, scum who steal motorcycles. Yeah. Um, in his words, to sort him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, a, it's one of those things that you kind of in two minds about. I mean, the, the politically correct part of you thinks, no, that's not what you do. Yeah. Um, but then the, the part of you that has had a bike or parts of your bike stolen things yeah let them have it exactly you know we've seen so many videos of of these guys smashing disc locks off bikes and nobody stops on the road they're just filming them thieving bikes in in bright daylight and you think why are we letting them get away with it yeah exactly exactly I mean I, I, I think you're right I can see both sides of it. Whew. Would you go out and sort somebody out? Would you? Would you? It depends when you caught me, I think. I think if you yeah. caught me and I just had the bike stolen and I'd ploughed my money into it and I'd saved up for it and I worked bloody hard for it and I got my yeah. bike and I got my kit and I was enjoying myself and then some tow rag turned up and lifted it. If it had just happened, I've got to tell you, man, I'd, I'd yeah. definitely be up for um, maybe getting my hands on people. Yeah. Whether I should say that publicly or not, I don't care. I, I would. You know, it's my yeah, bike. How, yeah, why, yeah. What gives you the right to take my bike? 
Um, and if you're going to mess with somebody who's got a bike, then you're going to get what's coming to you, yeah. I think. Yeah. But then, sitting here in our office in a cold light of day, would I really want to do that? I'm not so sure. <laughs> but I can understand why people's tethers are at the end. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if somebody nicks your bike, what is it, that life in Pulp Fiction, you just don't mess with another man's wheels? You kind of don't. <laughs> no. You know? No, I mean, it's, it's not. It's, it's one, just one of these. It's, it's like a neighbourhood watch for the... Yeah, but... For but, those boiling for a fight. Exactly, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. I don't want to presume to know what Jack the Lad had in mind for sorting them out. No. As no. he said in the, in, the, in the notice. And there's apparently subsequently been notices in other main... Right, cities, yeah, yeah, yeah. Manchester, Birmingham, etc. This isn't just a London thing, so we're hearing. Mm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating it, but and I don't know what he had in mind, but you know, surely something's got to be done. The police, God bless them, the police have got so much on their plates. Yeah. And you see a copper, and those guys do an amazing job, genuinely, right? I've never met a copper who I thought to myself, "Oh, you're a bit of a dick, mate." I just think, you know, you poor buggers, you're so stretched. Yeah. And you see it by all these absolute cockwombles <laughs> on the bloody mobile phones while they're driving. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't do that if there were more coppers on the road. They wouldn't because yeah. they're getting fines, they're getting points, yeah. and they're getting pulled up, right? They just wouldn't do it. They do it because they can get away with it or they think they can get away with it. And the police are stretched so thin and they're doing the best that they can. But they're not. The police just simply haven't got time to go after everybody. Who, you know, if you get a bike stolen, they just haven't got the resources. No, it's so, cost to insurance and exactly. That's it. And then, so at what point does it? I mean, if you found somebody, oof, here's a game of morals. If you found somebody who was nicking your bike and you came across them, and nobody would see, and it was a dark alley, and let's say you were carrying something like, oh, I don't know, your helmet. Yeah which uh, you might be able to conk somebody with, would you? What would you do? It would... Yeah, yeah I don't know, man. I don't know. Is it the worry of further prosecution that would stop you doing something? Well, <laughs> that's the question, is it? Or is it just... See, I think... I think... I, 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 I support you in the moment. That's what I'm saying. I think in a moment, if... Because they've already crossed the line then. If you see yeah. them... They've crossed the line. Yeah. They've crossed the line, so you're just following them <laughs> over the line. The law wouldn't see it like that, would they? The law would see that... That you attack them. You attack them. And all, and all they were doing, all, in inverted commas, all they were doing was attempting to steal a vehicle. Hmm. Oh, that's a tough one. I can understand why. I can totally understand why. Somebody, whoever this Jack the Lad is, I can totally understand why oh, yeah. that notice has been put up. Yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. else had their bike nicked or had their little boy's bike nicked or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Um, You'd be so yeah. annoyed. Yeah. You know, and and then, and and it's like you say, we see a lot of these videos where they turn up and there's like a load of them standing there. One of them's got a hammer. We've seen that in a video. Yeah. Got a hammer. They're shouting at people to stay away, and they're just using the disc grinder or cutter or yeah. they're going through a chain nobody does anything they just ride off on somebody's bike yeah. and there's 15, 20 grand of bike there gone instantly gone yeah. and you just think you bastards you know 
By the way, sorry about the language, but you've just heard that. So if you're offended, I do apologise for that. I'm sorry. Um, but you would, you think? Well, I think much more than that. Well, yeah. But you know. But then you know. Oh, it's, it's so frustrating. I just wish we knew, or we could come up with a better way of stopping them. And people say, oh, bike manufacturers need to make the bikes harder to steal. Yeah. Uh, councils need to have more secure areas for bikes to park. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we need to be smarter with it. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, and really, we need more more police around. I suppose uh, more police on the roads. Yep. All those things are ticked. What's being done? What's being done on any of those fronts, really? I mean, when was the last time you parked a bike and you know you, you put on the steering lock and then then you put your disc lock on and then you locked it to something? In reality, when you're out and about. In reality, it's a good while. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me time. absolutely, me yeah. too. You know, I mean, the bike's on the steering lock, and I'm talking. You know, if I go into a into a shop to go buy something or go and do well, some grocery I mean, shopping, yeah. I don't lock it up. No. I don't. It's in the bike park near the front. It's only on the steering lock. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm sure we're not. I'm sure you and I right now are not these people who are like blasé about bikes. You know, if some, we came out, someone mm. took the bike, a test bike, our bikes, whatever. Yeah. If they came out and took it, we'd be mortified. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So we're not doing, we're not doing our bit. No, but I mean, the, the bikes yeah, are locked up at night, and they're locked up and they're secure and they're out of the way and they're oh, in garages yeah, yeah. and yeah. all that sort of stuff. We do the night yeah. stuff, but I'm talking about you know when, when, when I know that I'm not going to be on the bike for, you know, it, in the next hour or so. Yeah, it gets proper locked up. Yeah, exactly. But if I pop into shops, whatever, I'm just there for um, I don't know half an hour. Yeah. It's, it's on the steering lock. Yeah. You know, you're not going to... I know it doesn't add very much time to put proper locks on, but then you have to carry them exactly. locks. You have to exactly. You have to put them on. You have to remember to take that, because I've done that as well before. Ridden off with of the disc lock. Yeah. And that's... that's and then the hop-hop drop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, mate, how embarrassing. <laughs> They're in the middle of a car park going, all right, no one's seen that. I think I can yeah. walk this. And everyone's looking at you going, yeah. what an idiot. Yeah. yeah, we've all done that, mate. But, I mean, you think about a car... The car has an immobiliser, there's a deadlock system on all the, all the doors, you've got to mm. press a button. Because you've got to press a button, it's easy to do, mm. it's not, not faffing about. There must be something, this can't be out of the realms of imagination, surely, that there, could, there must be something somebody could do on a motorcycle where you press a button and some metal thing shoots out of the side of a fork leg and goes through the wheel and stops that happening. And then when you open it with the steering or your raid key or whatever, yeah. it automatically retracts. Yeah. Or the back wheel or... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Wasn't it's... that... Didn't we see something like that? Something... Some kind of bolt that went through the centre stand. Wasn't there? Was there? Wasn't there something quite... I seem to... I have a vague recollection of seeing some kind of security device. Just an aftermarket thing? Or proposed by a manufacturer. I thought it was proposed by a manufacturer. Hey, maybe it is I'm out there. Maybe we don't know. Maybe, maybe I. Maybe that's something that's skipped past. I'm not sure. Past I thought this, it was something. Something to do with the the centre stand yeah. being then secured by a bolt. Well, that would um, be great. And then obviously, because unless you hack off the whole centre stand, yeah, yeah, then then you're not going to get the wheels on ground. No. But, I mean, look, let's be honest, right? Four blokes with two metal bars between them and a van. Yeah. 
It's what you need if you want an Akeni motorcycle out there and it's not chained to somewhere. Metal rod through the wheel, metal rod through the wheel, four blows, pick it up, throw it in the back of the van, alarm can be going off. Sort that out while you're travelling. We all know that happens. Yes. So you've then got to address the situation of locking it to something. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just all I'm saying is that there has to be a, a paradigm shift, a sea change almost, in how we as a whole, with many facets, hmm. come into this. Yeah. And I'm not sure what the answer is. And if you're listening to this um, podcast, and you've got an answer for it, let us know. Because I, w- I would be genuinely fascinated by yeah. this, you know. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to think there's some sort of clamp lock in the future that will be at all outside all supermarkets or in all bike parks. <laughs> yeah, like you can basically oyster shells that you sort of ride into. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, well, the yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. It oiks you off by the yeah. scruff of your neck. <laughs> yeah. You'd be carried like a kitten. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And then dropped on the pavement. Oh, Oh, lovely. We'd all, we'd all enjoy that. Uh, we'd all enjoy that. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that there's something out there that could be done. Yeah. For not a lot of money. But, yeah. you know, we're a minority. We are in the minority. No matter how much we, we might want to rail against that and yeah. want to be part of a, a bigger thing, we operate in comparatively small numbers. Yeah, but maybe when this next wave of electric bikes, you know, like the Zeros yeah, and things yeah, like that yeah, coming yeah. through... Um, Maybe when that happens, maybe we'll get this this sea change where there's charging stations, docking stations, where you can go and park your bike while the battery's swapped. Maybe because we ran the story about that Kawasaki uh, design for the wheel chock, didn't we? The wheel chock on the electric superbikes. Do you remember the one that you ride into? Basically, it grabs your front wheel. They oh, they yeah. patented this idea. It's like a, a, a front wheel grabber. Yeah. You ride into it at a charging station. It grabs your front wheel. Changes the battery in the bike. Oh yeah, the slides out. That's on the it. Side, yeah. That's it. And then it releases your front wheel, and you can ride off again. Yeah. Keeps you upright on the bike. Takes thirty seconds and grabs it. Well, maybe when we get that, then we'll get those wheel grabbing chocks. Yeah. Yeah. In major cities. Yeah. You know, that'd be pretty cool because then it's chocked in, and they can't just turn up and cut through that. Surely they'll find a way. Yeah. The scumbags always <laughs> find a way. But the... if we can slow them down enough. And if the courts will turn a blind eye, now I'm going to <laughs> Yeah, yeah we've done that conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. For legal reasons, we don't <laughs> condone this. Yes, exactly. For legal reasons, we don't condone this. But God, if I could get my hands <laughs> on somebody stealing my bike. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, maybe that's going to come around, around the corner. Right. Yeah. Um, we've gone on far too long, by far, by half. So, coming up. What you got coming up? Anything coming up? We've got, um, we're just putting to bed the current issue of MSL the August issue so that'll be out in early July yep what's on the cover so of that that's one? the um, the Ducati Scrambler Cafe Racer yep very nice um, too very nice loads of other, other good stuff there's a, there's a really cool competition there if you want to win some helmets yeah you got a thousand pounds worth of helmets thousand pounds um, that people can win yeah uh, first second and third third prizes aren't there so it's not yes, a one a one stop. No, 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 there's, there's three different three different helmets you can win. Um, first one picks up the the top level one. Then yeah. you've got the sort of mid range, and then the sort of um, slightly cheaper one, yeah. third prize. But you can win a helmet. But you can win a helmet, and they're all you know with what even the cheapest one is something like three hundred pounds. So, yeah, you know, good proper, competition to enter. All free yeah. as well, of course. You can oh, enter yeah. it for free. 
Um, what about riding? What have you got coming up? Uh, riding coming up, we have got uh, a couple of tests coming up, which I don't want to talk too much about nah. because because that will be in walls the, out ears. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they're good, aren't they? There's there's some there's some really cool sporting uh, big, big big rides coming up. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go and do uh, a bit of track riding as well. Nice, uh, going out with Ducati. Nice, uh, up to Silverstone uh, next week, so that should be good. Hopefully the weather will stay with us. Yeah, definitely. With uh, definitely, fingers crossed for that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out and see the guys who ran the uh, endurance legends at Donington yeah. in May. Uh, I want to have a bit of a meeting up with those guys. They want to talk to me about uh, what we can all do moving moving forward with the event. Um, if you're not aware of it, it was basically uh, super bikes from the '80s. Uh, some of them were rebuilt. It's, this is the famous Suzuki Katana that Suzuki built, vintage parts program built. Uh, and uh, James Whittam, uh, my old mucker, Jim, went out uh, as part of the three-man team and unfortunately I had a tip-off on it, but uh, Jim was saying it was just a great event. He really enjoyed it. And if you're listening to this, mate, um, all the best. More power to your elbow, son. I'll see you soon. Um, but James was out there and the event was fantastic. And I tell you now, they have struck gold with that thing. You know, forget all this sliding around on a shale track stuff. Uh, on on silly bikes that's fun that dirt quake thing looks looks hilarious but there's just something about these you know 160 brake horsepower classics which are sort of hand built uh, being ridden by stars of yesterday and very good amateurs out in a four-hour endurance event just something about it man it's got the right feel of retro it's got the right feel of modern yeah. It doesn't take itself so seriously. Obviously, it has to be serious because it's a race yeah, you know, yeah. and you don't want people hurt. But it doesn't take itself so seriously. It's kind of relaxed and it's a proper throwback. And I want, I want to go and see the guys and, and see, see what we can do about moving that all forward a little bit. So yeah. that's quite an exciting thing. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't been to one and you get the chance, I really recommend you going or checking it out. Um, the Katana that Suzuki built was a work of art. But there's loads of great bikes out there, you know. And it spurred me on to buying that um, GSXR, so uh, GSXR 750. So hopefully we'll get that rolling. Yeah. Maybe go and take part in a couple of the events. So yeah. Fingers crossed with that, man. But that's it. Um, thanks very much for listening. We're going to wrap it up there. If you want to um, see what we're doing, uh, follow the stories, find out more about what we've talked about, uh, go to uh, morebikes.co.uk, www.morebikes.co.uk. Check out Motorcycle Sport and Leisure's website. Our Facebook pages, our Twitter feeds, they're all out there. But go and check them out. We'll keep you up to speed with the news, everything that's happening in the motorcycle world that you really uh, should know about or want to know about. And uh, we'll fill you in on how we're getting on with our bikes um, as well. Hope you've enjoyed this. Thanks for listening. We'll be back very soon with another episode of this podcast. But until then, thanks for listening. And from Miko and I, bye for now. Bye for now.